it's great to be in the house of God together with God's people, with God present with us. How, how encouraging. Today we're going to be continuing a, a four-week series we're doing in the book of Ephesians and uh, covering chapters two and three. And, and really this is just, it's going to be a continuation of the last two weeks. You know, as we celebrated Easter um, last week, as, as Cameron spoke on chapter one, talking about the calling that we have received in Christ and, and the, uh, the spiritual blessings that we've received in Christ. And then this morning, the songs as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, the grace that we've received. And then communion, obviously. So Ephesians 2 and 3 is just going to be a, really a continuation of that. I really enjoyed um, Cameron's message last week. I have to confess, while I was being blessed by his message, there was a thought running through my mind. And the thought was, I have to follow this? <laughs> I mean, that, that youth and energy... So many great illustrations, a movie clip, who am I, illustrating the need to know our identity in Christ. That funny Skype illustration about his dad's practical joke, you know, talking about the need to know the one who calls. Even an illustration from the movie Alien vs. Predator, which I'm never going to watch and confirm the illustration, but... Uh, but the way he explained that, that great message that, that focuses on, on how we are, uh, we're included among God's people. We're, we're God's family. And then finally, that, that great skit or, or magic trick <laughs> illustrating the difficulty of continuing and living out the challenge, as, as we face the challenges, living out the call that we've received in Christ. So, I don't have the same giftings that Cameron has. I, I can't follow his example, but, but I'm so encouraged as I come up here. This is a church that believes in prayer. And, and, and uh, I mean, my wife has been praying faithfully, faithfully for me as I prepare. And I'm, I'm sure now as she's... I think on our way from the airport still, actually, from, from Taiwan. Um, three different people came up, for me this, came up to me this morning and, and prayed for me. Rick sent me a, a WeChat message saying he was praying for me. This is a church that, that truly believes that, you know, unless the Lord builds a house, it's laborers labor in vain. And, and I feel that feel that very strongly this morning, and, and I just take comfort in the fact that we're going to be spending time in God's Word, in the presence of God's Spirit, who can, who can make His Word known to us, His special Word for each of us. And, and let's start by praying that He would do just that this morning. Father in heaven, I, I acknowledge that, that I really have nothing um, to bring, nothing to offer Anything that I would offer in my own wisdom and strength, Lord, would be, would be for naught apart from you. So I acknowledge my dependence upon you. Pray, Lord, that you would, uh, 
that you would speak through your word this morning and, and that you would prepare each heart here uh, to receive that which you have specially for them from what we'll be looking at this morning. And help us, Lord, all to honor you by living out what we've received. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, from looking at, at chapter one last week, you know, hopefully we were inspired anew and have continued to be inspired this morning by the, uh, the reminder of, of how great a calling we have received in Christ. With the in- incredible catalog of spiritual blessings that we've received in him, we've been chosen by God, the creator of all things. We've been chosen by God, predestined for adoption as children into his family. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We're purchased out of slavery, redeemed. We have the forgiveness of sins through his blood as we celebrated this morning. He's revealed himself to us. The God of the universe has revealed himself. He's made himself known to us. And he reveals his will to us day by day. And we've been included in Christ, marked as those belonging to him by that amazing gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us when we, when we place our trust in him. But how do we come to be recipients of these great blessings? You know, Paul reminds those who he's addressing, the believers at Ephesus, and, and probably beyond that, a lot of people think this was a, a serial letter that was passed on to the churches in the region. But he, he reminds them that they were included in Christ and became recipients of these blessings of his call when they heard the truth, the gospel, or we could say the call, when they heard the call and combined their hearing with faith. And that's, that's made clear in something that, that Cameron covered last week, which I'll just look back at briefly. In Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And and Paul's going to expand on this further in chapters 2 and 3, which we're covering today. Um, I'm going to be focusing primarily on the first 10 verses of chapter 2, and particularly verses 8 to 10, which are very well known. Uh, But then I'll pull in some elements from the rest of chapter 2 and and chapter 3 as we go along. So let's start with the uh, first two verses in chapter 2. It says, As for you, you were dead in in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in all of those who are disobedient. So before Paul gets to the the means by which believers are included in God's family, he reminds them of their former state apart from Christ. 
The, the verses start with, as for you, you were dead. Or literally, it's in the Greek, and you, or possibly but you, both are possible. But I, I like the NIV translation, as for you, because it's emphasizing that, that this is in contrast to Christ's condition, which is described in, in chapter 1, verse 20. And let's, let's back up, actually, a little bit, and, and I'm going to read from the middle of verse 19. It says, that power, and, and I should give the context of this a little bit, the context um, from the preceding verses is Paul's prayer for the church, that they might know God better, know the hope to which he has called them, that they might know the riches of his glorious inheritance and know his incomparably great power for those who believe. And that's the power that he's speaking of here. He says, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So Christ offered himself up. He gave his life, but then he was raised to life. He was exalted to the right hand of God. But Paul remains, reminds the, uh, the Ephesians that, that in contrast, they were dead. They were dead in their transgressions and sins. They were dead because they were following the ways of this world, which is further described as following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, or Satan, whose spirit is at work in all of those who have not yet trusted their creator and given themselves over to obedience to him, to live for him. There's a lot of discussion about this phrase, kingdom of the air, and what the reference is, what, is, what exactly it conveys. Um, a lot think it's just um, intending to convey that he's spirit, but I think it's saying a bit more than that. I, I think... I think it conveys that he's the king of all that's empty, which describes much of what is in the world, much of what we seek after. It's empty. We grasp at it, and we come up with air. It's nothing. It doesn't satisfy. And we've all at one time been carried along irresistibly in this current of the world's ways and values, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Paul describes this grasping after the air and its result further in the next verse, verse 3. It says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by, nature's object, we were by nature objects of wrath. So Paul includes himself in this and probably his fellow Jewish believers. He's speaking to the, the Gentiles, saying, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but, but I think here he's making it clear that we also, you know, having received God's love, his word, we, we Jews, we also were dead in our transgressions and sins. This includes all of us. We all once followed the ways of the world. So, so to me, basically, this describes the pursuit of self-interest, seeking to please ourselves, seeking to satisfy whatever cravings 
stem from our, from our nature, our sinful nature, from our selfish ambition and pride. And we could go into a lot of detail about that. But, but this, is, this is at war with God's nature and his desire for us, which is a desire for our good. As it says in Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Any of us who have children, who, who have observed children, <laughs> we know this. Um, especially if you've had a strong-willed child or seen a strong-willed child in action. If it isn't their idea, if it isn't something that serves them, they want nothing of it. And that's how we are in relation to God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The result is that having rejected God in all of his goodness, in his holiness, in his loving kindness, we're deserving of wrath. There's nothing left but wrath. And I want to emphasize from these last from these first three verses, actually, that, that there's no escape from this on our own. There's no escape from that nature of sin that, that we're born with. We can have some victory over it. We can kind of quell our selfish desires a bit, but ultimately we can't have victory over that. And in addition to our own sin nature, we're fighting against the ruler of the kingdom of the air who is at work in all who have not yet given, given themselves over to God in obedience. However, God doesn't leave us to our just deserts. Let's look at the next two verses, verses 4 and 5. It says, because of, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So because, because of God's great love for us, he doesn't abandon us to ourselves and the natural result of who we are. Rather, he shows us mercy, not treating us as our sins deserve. It says here that he made us alive with Christ, not because we had shown in any way that we were worthy of his love, not because we had begun to be sorry for our sins, begun to reach out to him. It's not because of that. It's, be, it's, it's while we were still dead in our transgressions that he gave us life in Christ. What an amazing gift. There's no spark of life in us, but he made us alive in Christ. At verse 5, it is... It, as verse 5 ends, it's by grace, and, and I think we can emphasize entirely by grace. <laughs> it's entirely by grace that we're saved. And the result of this salvation is described in the next two verses. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. It says, And God raised, this, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So amazingly, the, the tense of these verbs in verse 6 indicate that this is a completed action. It's not that God 
will raise us up with Christ and seat us, in the, seat us with him in the heavenly realms, but that he's already done so. Think about that. You know, obviously, we're not, we're not fully yet in the presence of Christ in the heavenly realms, but, but I, th- I think this is, this is indicating that, that we're to live as though we are present with him in the heavenly realms, similar to what it, you know, in the, in the, the chapter focusing on, um, on faith, Hebrews chapter 11, where it, where it talks about those who were, who were citizens not of this world, but they recognized they were citizens of heaven, citizens of a, another country. You know, so I think this is saying we need to live as citizens of the heavenly kingdom. So in a sense, we're already raised with Christ. It's a done deal. Um, the result of doing this is that the incomparable riches of God's grace will be on display in our lives from now until eternity. His kindness to us in Christ Jesus will shine like a bright light into the darkness around us. And others who are still living in darkness, still dead in their sins, they'll look to the light and they won't see us. But they'll see the one who loves us with an amazing love. Are, Are we living in that way? That, that we reflect Christ's light, his kindness to us. Paul sums all of this up with a clear statement of the means by which we are saved and redeemed out of slavery to sin and death, made alive with Christ and adopted into God's family. Let's look at verses 8 to 10. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want to make three points from these verses about the the call to salvation in Christ in the context of what comes before and after, including that as well. None of these are profound, It's, it's straightforward. But I think they're all significant. Um, a couple of these points I've already made in part, but I want to develop them a bit further and consider them, them all together. The, the first point is that we receive this salvation that we're called to by grace because of God's mercy and love. Again, not because we are worthy of it in any way and not because of anything, not because of anything we've done to earn God's favor. This couldn't be emphasized more in these verses it is by grace you have been saved, verse 8. This not from yourselves, it is, it is gift of God, also in verse 8. Not by works so that no one can boast, verse 9. And, and even in verse 10, we are God's workmanship emphasizes this as how can the pot take credit for what the potter has done, the work of the potter. My second point about the call to salvation is that we're saved or included in Christ, as it says back in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 13, which we read earlier. When we hear the word of truth and respond to the one who calls with faith. As for by, for by grace, grace we've been saved through faith. The word of truth is the gospel or the good news, specifically the news that, 
that through Christ's blood shed on the cross on our behalf, we've been cleansed, we can be cleansed of our sin and made right with God. That's the good news. Finishing up the verse I shared earlier from Isaiah 53, you know, it started out, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, but it finishes, and the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. That's the good news. He's taken the penalty of our sins upon himself when he shed his blood on the cross as we celebrated this morning. Responding with faith means putting our trust in Christ both as our Savior and as our Lord, trusting him with our lives and trusting our lives to the one who loves us, who gives us true peace and rest, and who has a plan and a purpose for us that is good and for our good. We can give ourselves wholly to him and know that that he will act, you know, his will for us is for our good. This call is open to everyone, as Paul emphasizes in the remainder of chapter 2 and 3 and into chapter 3. For example, it's made clear in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2 where, where Paul addresses the Gentiles, um, the non-Jews specifically. Verse 12, remember that at that time you you Gentiles, were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And then Paul goes on to talk about how through Christ we all have access to the Father by one spirit. One spirit, I won't read it, but you can look at verse 18 there. And how through him the Gentiles are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, verse 19. And then the following verses just continue that, that theme of being built up on the same foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone being built up in a, into a temple of the Lord. And then Paul continues to emphasize that point in the remainder of chapter 2 and, and be, beginning of chapter 3, but I'll leave that for you to look at on your own. I don't have time to go through that this morning. My third and final point is that although good works are not the basis of salvation, they are its fruit, its natural outcome. Back, on, back to chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that isn't to say that we're, we're saved by grace, but then we continue on by works of the flesh. That's, that's obviously not the point at all. Um, God doesn't give us a to-do list and say, go, go do this now in your own wisdom and strength and then come back to me when you've gotten it done and I'll give you another assignment. That's, that's not what this, this means at all. And, and I think this is made very clear um, in, uh, in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. Craig shared this, some of this during uh, uh, communion this morning. 
but I think it has a lot to say about, about what it means to bear this fruit of good works, this fruit of salvation. So chapter 3, starting in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then continuing on from what Craig shared earlier, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So in order to to bear the fruit of good works as a natural outcome of our salvation, we need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit with Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, being filled to the measure of the fullness of God, filled with Him, not with us. It is only God who, who can accomplish anything good in and through us. We're fully dependent upon him. It's according to his power, again, that is at work within us. Not our power, not our strength, not our wisdom. So in conclusion, just a, a, couple, of, a couple of questions. First of all, you know where it begins. Have you responded to God's call? with faith, putting your trust in the one who calls. I don't know every one of you, but I'm sure there are some here who have not yet done that. And I'm sure you're hearing right now God's call that's present for you. As it says in Hebrews 4, as he calls, do not harden your hearts. Let him transform you. Let him give you life in Christ, freeing you from sin and death. That's all, all those pursuits of the world, all of those things you chase after for satisfaction, it's all empty. You're dead in your transgressions and sins. You're without hope, without real hope, without God in this world. So turn to him. Let him give that gift that he would give you. For those of us who have trusted in Christ, do we take that gift of salvation, reconciliation with God, for granted? As we took communion this morning, was it just kind of going through the motions? Or do we fully appreciate it? Do, are, are we thankful? Are we living lives that show we're thankful for this incredible gift, these blessings that we've received in Christ? We're, we're thankful. Do others see in us you know, the light of Jesus, his kindness shining through our lives? Or do they, do they see kind of what they're used to when they look around them, you know, darkness, 
Do they see self-interest? Do they see... Do they see someone with a chip on their shoulder, angry at the world, angry at God? (laughs) We face a lot of trials, a lot of struggles in this world, and as we do, (laughs) others see us and how we act through that. Are we so convinced about the kindness we've received in Christ Jesus, the salvation by grace, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Are we so convinced by that that even in the midst of those struggles, God's light through Christ shines in our lives? And then finally, are we faithfully bearing the fruit of salvation? Not not from our own strength, not our own works, but are we submitting daily our will to the Father's? knowing that we can accomplish nothing of value on our own. You know, do we, do we have that habit of coming daily before him? You know, it says, anyone who follows Christ, Christ says, anyone who follows him must deny himself, take up his cross daily and, and follow him. Are we doing that in our hearts each day, saying, Lord, what, you know, I, I give myself to you today. Do with me as you will. You know, your will be done in my life. I trust you. You, you, know what's, you know what's good. You know what will give me satisfaction. You know who can be blessed through me. Lead me and direct me as you would. Wherever you take me, Lord, I'm yours. Do we do that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for the the great gift that we've received in Christ. Uh, Not because of anything we've done, not because we're worthy in any way, but because of your love, which is so far beyond anything we can imagine. Because of your mercy, not treating us as our sins deserve. Because of your grace, treating us in a positive way as we don't deserve. Lord, help us to to live daily as your children. Help us to, to live as citizens, not of this world, but of citizen, as citizens of heaven. Help us to give ourselves to you every day, to do with as you would. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.